What's up, everybody? Welcome to PSI Love You XOXO, episode 70. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside Kubom, who wrote in to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ. Hey, Greg. The fuck does that mean? It's the third episode of January, and you already are wavering on your resolution for new call-in intros. I thought I'd help this week because it's what best friends are for. So based on last week's episode, how about Colin, the beast from the bedroom, Moriarty? Alternatively, you can use Colin, the cleanest anus in the Bay Area, Moriarty. P.S. I love you, but don't tell my wife, Kubom. Uh, as you know, I don't introduce people that way. It doesn't go in the middle. It goes before their name. Fucking sort it out, Kubom. Alongside the pride of Northeastern, Colin Moriarty. So loud. You're so loud. Because I'm fun and it's fun to no, have fun and be fun together. So, We're so Colin cold. and Greg. So I'm going nice. to warm you up. That's why why is the studio that's so why cold? I'm wearing this. this enti- why is jacket. the Bay Area and this studio in particular so cold? It's colder in here than it is out there. I don't know. True. That's true. I mean, I looked at the thermostat before. I was like, why is it so cold in this office? And it was 54 degrees in here. <laughs> we didn't have the heat on. That's like on why. I mean, but usually you don't you don't really need the heat. Usually. In San Francisco. Usually, but I don't know. Something about this. This, uh, winter this winter has been very cold. Yeah. It's still sunny outside. Very, very, very cold. I don't like it one bit. Very Arctic. How you holding up? Good. Speaking of clean buttholes. Yeah. I wanted to go through a few things here today. Please land up. <clears throat> So Kevin went to the store and bought, he followed through. He, he went ordered, to Amazon. He went Amazon, Amazon, the Amazon store. He followed through, and I wanted to just, because we talked a little bit about Quilt, Quilted Northern. Uh, this is and, not a sponsorship. And there was something I realized about it that I think may, might be kind of what makes it so exceptional. Sure. We have this single-ply, like, garbage paper you use at, like, you know, if you're in, like, uh, the DMV or something. But we then, do? No, no. Oh, like, you're just, just talking in the world as a human being. But then, being. most people get the, 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 the two-ply paper, which I think is where AngelSoft, my beloved AngelSoft, comes sure. down. Yeah. But this has three soft layers. Oh, look. It's as it silky says here, comfort. Which I didn't realize. And, you know, if we go in and we just kind of rip the thing open. Sure. And, sure. You know. Kev, can we get SkyCam during PSI Love You this week or no? Is that impossible? There's a fine kind of... Oh, we don't need it. Kev zooms here. Give me a nice rack zoom, Kev, on this. Uh, on this. What we mean, got look, at the, look at what we got going on here. We have... Three soft layers. 4.5 inches wide versus so 4.0. It's tr- like, they're not lying. I mean, that's one layer. Uh-huh. And then it appears that, indeed, there is another layer. If I can just... It's so fine. Yeah, sure, sure. There... Almost yes. How much is that? Yes. Nothing. They're paying. This is not an ad. This is not. Look at that. Three. There's three layers, and that's why I think it's so quality. Sure. Sure. So high quality. But I didn't realize that anyone was even in the three layer game. No. Oh man. No. I wouldn't have thought so either. I thought we got to two layer. We're good. And then you'd think three layer might be too much. Maybe too soft. Maybe it would tear. Then we got the Charmin wipes. The wet wipes here. Don't flush them is the rule. Well, see, I got some interesting. You got some feedback. This, some this, feedback this, this uh this weekend on Twitter. Sure, Scott Rody. Scott Rody was talking about our our our, our poop talk quite that a bit. Even if it says that you can flush them, you shouldn't. No, don't do that. But there's something so unsanitary. So about having a little trash can over there because you're not going in for the first wipe. Mm-mm, 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 I mean, mm-mm. no one. You got to be some sort of heathen, to, you know, you're, you're some a, sort of you're godless a heathen. You are a fucking maniac if you do that. So it's meant for the end mm-hmm. when you're done and you feel like you're clean. It's it's honestly, if you're too much of a coward to have a bidet. And I am because this is the United States. Thank you, Kevin. Now, Danny O'Dwyer, I thought was looking at getting a bidet. 
Danny O'Dwyer is fucking European. I know. I know. This wasn't me saying he's American. So, yes, he should have a bidet. Am I thinking? Who, who was it on this weekend talking about bidets on Twitter? I'm not done yet. So, the wet wipe, I used it this morning. Now, I had a hard time grabbing it. Out of the little thing? Yeah, and then I ended up getting two, which I felt like it was too much. Yeah. But I used it, and it was very nice. Now, Kevin, there's... Okay, so there's there's a problem here. Hashtag Colin was and first. Kevin, go ahead and take this away from me now. There's a there's a, a a problem. Thank you so much. There's a problem with having some poop particles on something and then throwing it in the garbage. I don't know. I, I just can't get over it. I wish that someone would come up with some technology in which we knew we can get rid of these things because they are essential. And I'm going to tell you something that I've discovered. Well, I know I think everyone knows this innately, but they don't. We, no one talks about. We're going to talk about it openly. The anus is like. Deep, the butt crack starts, and there are inches until you oh, yeah. get to the anus. It's it's like how it's a runway. It, it's a how runway. How is it that shit ends up above the anus when you're when you're wiping? You've never wiped and had like a little bit of sh- like I used the Charmin thing to clean, but then I went up above, and there's still just a little bit of that's your wipe problem. I think you're wiping it up too high. <sighs> of course, this conversation because one of the we got a lot of feedback. On our poop talk on PSI Love You XOXO episode 69. Apparently, a lot of you never listened to a podcast beyond where we talked about it all the time. Over on kindoffunny.com slash PSQ, where you can write in with your questions. Brandon from Edmonton wrote in and said, Hey guys, after a couple days of mulling it over, I came to realize that last week's episode of PSI Love You XOXO included the stealth release of Kinda Funny's new spinoff, PS I Love to Poop XOXO. From the bowels of your minds, you discuss poops in a way that captivated viewers and gave us something meaningful to connect with. Looking forward to seeing all the success with this, and I eagerly await to see what other creative works you managed to excrete. Now to my question, what is your favorite pooping scene in video games? Go on, let her rip. Sincerely yours, Brandon from Edmonton. Are there pooping scenes in video games? Of course there are. I like, mean, immediately I think I, of I think uh, Metal Gear. What are you talking about? Right there. We had oh, the, soldier the guard. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, that's Johnny, true. what was his name? Johnny something or other. Doesn't matter. Then he ended up marrying Meryl. Spoiler alert for Metal Gear Solid 4. I didn't like it. Did you watch but a chance? He, he only did you never know, you never beat Metal Gear Four, did no. you? He only it turns out he he was they wrote it into canon why he was always pooping like a crazy person. Because he didn't go the, the genome therapy route. He was a regular soldier out there trying to blend in with all the genome folks. So there you go. Kojima had a plan all along from when he was pooping in the original Metal Gear. How's that make you feel? Cinematic universe there. My my least favorite time to poop is when I'm eating. And of then course. You poop in the middle of eating. Yeah. Half second second is when you shower when you're in the shower. That's the worst. When you're in the shower and you're like, I'm going to have to poop. When somewhere. you're done and you've dried off and then poop. Because at least you have the option. To hop it's out, it's hop inconvenient in. yeah. to get out of the shower and poop. But at least you can hop back in. It's like after you, you're 10, 15 minutes out of the shower and then you poop. It's like you feel like you didn't shower at all. Why, what was the point? Why did I waste my time doing this? Yeah, it's a problem. But... If you didn't know, this is PSI Love You XOXO. It is KindOfFunny.com's PlayStation podcast. It is the number one PlayStation podcast on the internet, and it posts every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time as one big video and one big MP3 on YouTube.com slash KindOfFunnyGames and podcast services around the globe. Remember, if it doesn't pop at 9 a.m. on a podcast service like iTunes, you should tweet me because I probably forgot to go into SoundCloud and kick the fucking thing live because it's stupid that SoundCloud won't let me just fucking say publish it this time it's really annoying actually so if soundcloud's listening i'd appreciate you checking it colin mm. what have you been playing recently quite a bit yeah uh finally fin- finished shante half genie hero with 100 percent completion rating 
it's a uh, it's a great game. As I said, I think in last week's episode, I, my initial reaction to the game, specifically in the 2.5D realm, is was uh, misguided. I do think the game is a little, as I said, was a little too easy. Um, but it's fun. It's satisfying. There's reasons to play it again. There's some speed running options, whatever. So Shantae and Vita is really, really great. Half Genie here. You guys go check that out. Props to Way Forward for making a really great game. Uh, I played about uh, 10 hours of Tales of Berseria, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I can talk about that, um, even though it's not out yet. And this isn't the review embargo's not up, but the preview embargo's up. How's so, it going so far, Colin? It's good. I, I, it is, it is different, and I feel like it is, I feel like the tales of games are being brought in a direction to try to change things in, in, in subtle and not so subtle ways. And again, tales of Asteria was the one that really did try to change it. The last one. And that's the one I just, after a couple hours, just couldn't just didn't grab me. Sure. This one was having a similar problem where I'm like, I don't, um, I don't care for some of the changes that are happening here yet. The longer you pl- I play it, the more I can kind of wrap my head around all the things they're doing. And, and it makes a little bit more sense. Uh, the game is about this character named Velvet, a female character, and I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but she sounds just like the protagonist in Tales of Exilia. Like, I think it's the same voice actress, but gotcha. I don't know. Maybe it's just the same direction that they're getting or whatever. For a novice out there, not myself, of course, uh, these all happen independently. It's like Final Fantasy? Yeah, unless they're direct sequels to each other. Gotcha. There, are, there, are, there is like a sequel to Symphonia. There is a sequel sure. to Destiny. Um, but yeah, the, the otherwise, yes, like Final Fantasy, they all in, exist on their own, their own worlds. And I feel, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, am I boring you? No, from what my game is, I remember that I got a message during the last show, so I'm looking at it. Uh, so, and you're the king of looking at that and just going huh, and not listening to me. So don't don't get in my during face. During the morning about it. show, I do that a lot, but I'm not on the morning show anymore. Now, the the thing about the game is that I feel like they've it, it, it reminds me of Mass Effect, and 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 I want people to follow me here, where they they slowly strip out the things that make the game tick, what it was, and they leave behind something else entirely. Now, unlike Mass Effect, it's not it's it's still a role playing game, but I feel like they've they've tracked it down into like a sort of linear fashion, at least after 10 hours where it's just it's very linear. Uh, The story with Velvet is basically that she's uh, cares for this young boy uh, who is her brother, I guess, and named Lafacette and uh, their caretaker or guardian or some sort basically ends up turning on them and is like a demon exorcist. Anyway, after a couple hours, she becomes a demon. And basically, your entire party are demons, or like like uh, that, like have these supernatural powers. And they wake up several years later. She wakes up several years later to find a world in which, like, the guy that betrayed her is now leading everything as like this band of exorcists, and everything seems to be fine. But there's like all this nefarious shit going on. That's basically the plot. So you're playing as someone who presumably is bad. Is the story least, worth a damn? Or? Uh, yeah. I mean, always the stories and tales. I think the stories and tales they're very Japanese. They're very melodramatic, uh, but they're interesting. Nonetheless, there's certain things. So, like the combos um, or the combat in Tales games are often combo driven. It's not quite like Legend of Lagaya, which is a very famous role playing game on PS1. That's like basically a fighting game, but it's similar in which you're comboing what's what are called arts, a r t e s, along with uh, basic attacks in order to, to damage enemies. And kind of the other characters in your party can act on their own, but you can give them orders and stuff like that. In this game, they've kind of stripped a lot of that kind of stuff out, where you don't really cast spells as your character. You like combo. You have like a bunch of different like uh, combos that or attacks that you can combo together in different ways. And so like it's like there's actually a menu. It's like if you hit square four times, this happens, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens. You can like yeah put all those things together. Um, and I don't quite care for that. I feel like the game's easy, and uh, I'm playing it on normal difficulty. And I feel like the game is just kind of easy. 
the the thing that detracts from that a little bit is that even 10 hours in, I just fought a boss battle where they're still introducing components of, the, of fighting. And I hate when games are like, it says like battle tutorial. And I'm like, I've been playing the game for eight or nine hours. Like, I don't, you need to like now go away. This and is like me, when you were playing uh, Batman and they popped up on how to fight the Mad mm-hmm. Hatter and you're like, what the, you were like talking to yourself yeah. in one of the most fucking funniest conversations I've ever heard. You're like, no, the real question is why are they introducing this 15 hours in the game? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's so, it's so weird. So there's that. And also the equipment, uh, there's, there's pros and cons to the equipment. Um, typically you equip an accessory piece of armor, whatever it is. There's fewer of those things to equip, um, and you learn permanent skills based on equipping those. And once you learn them, you have mastered it, and you can unequip it. You can uh, take the items and kind of like bring them down to their component parts, and then add components to other pieces of equipment. So there's like a depth there that they replace with like kind of a more familiar sense that the Tales yeah. players have. This will be confusing to most people that that don't play Tales games, but Tales fans will understand what I'm saying here. It just seems like it's. Uh, it's like a hodgepodge of new ideas and old ideas and then also like things that are forced down your throat that aren't necessarily savory until you understand them. But they're also just making the game too complicated. Like I I am up in the air on how I feel about it right now. Other than that, I like it. I are think you going to keep fun. going? Yes. I, I mean, I've, I've come that far. I can't, you know, that's like a fourth of the way through the game. It's not yeah. like, you know, maybe maybe a fifth of the way through the game. I like the Tales games a lot. I mean, they're very close, near and dear to my heart. I just feel like... Uh, Maybe it'll open up. I'll have like, you know, when we talk about it in a more review perspective, I might have different thoughts on it. But right now, I'm like, it's 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 a little bit muddled, I guess. Gotcha. Feels very straightforward, yet like there's these deep systems that require understanding, yet the combat is kind of simple. Yeah, I, I, so I don't I don't know exactly how to feel about it yet, but I dumped a lot of time into that. Uh, the third game I played was Hugh. Uh, I Damn, played a Christmas um, break game. Uh, Are you enjoying it? It's great. I'm, I'm almost done with it. Uh, I have all the colors. I'm in the final stage. I, I actually got caught at a puzzle for the first time. Oh, wow. Um, and went online to look, and it seems I'm like 15 minutes away from the end. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, that's so, what happened to me then when I when I was getting annoyed when I was playing it, and I went and looked at it. Yeah, and there was 10 minutes left in the video. Um, so we'll see how that all goes, but uh, I think it's a really great game. What's cool about it is, I don't want to say really great. It's a great game. But what I think is cool about it is um, it's very aesthetically basic yet like very vibrant like the, yep. the the way that they use colors i mean because the color colors are at the center of the story it's a puzzle game where you have to you have a color wheel that you use to manipulate the environment which either shows different objects or takes away different objects i just like colors like i think it's very pretty you like, do like when, when you put when you put those kinds of things together in a very dynamic and unique way no yeah. matter no matter what permutation or combination of colors you're using like it looks right and it looks pretty so there's like a, a, a distinct design aesthetic there that i really enjoy in the I, late game did you run into that slowdown i was talking about where i was telling us talking about it being one of the first vita, if not the only vita game i've played that i haven't had any real struggle the game did crash once um but i which doesn't happen on vita very often uh but no 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 chugging for me yet gotcha um so i i really like it i'll probably just put in the time and finish it after sure. eating dinner tonight so i can get out of the way uh the one problem, well, there's two problems that I think are really important. Let's say three. There are three problems that are really important. The first one is a narrative problem. You find these letters that are like from Hugh's his mom, mom yeah, talking yeah. to him, but these parts of the game are introduced in order to make you listen to them. Yep. So there's these long jumping, you're just nonsense sequences forever. You're like, can I just get to the next level? And it's designed to make you listen, but when you're backtracking and doing all that kind of stuff, the world is really super fucking confusing to get around. Now, you can jump around automatically on the map. But as you're first finding an area, there was multiple times where I'm like, I'm not really even sure what the fuck I'm supposed to do now. Yeah, like where the do game, I go next? Uh, 
so there's a narrative problem. You have to remember there. that, okay, I got the yellow color and I think there was a yellow wall that looked main right. down and left. I mean, if you were to take a, you can't really do it in a game like this, but it's like similar to NES where if you were to like, you know, like Nintendo Power used to publish like Map the, the, the maps yeah. of all the stages of Mega Man, for instance. If you were to back out, you would notice that probably 80% of the real estate in the game is taken up by these parts. So it's not really necessary. It's very strange that they put that in there at all. It was to give the game scope and scale, but I don't really know that that's what the game's about. The, yeah, the, for me, it's, it's I, I, I like you. I think it's a great game as well. But my whole thing was, I, I'm playing it with the sound down, doing other things on my Vita. Like I'm in it for the puzzles, not for the story of her going to this university and them not understanding color and them finding what about this other. I'm like, can we just just go? I don't care. I don't need this. The music is great, by the way. Really, really good. Uh, atmospheric reminds me a little bit. It's not quite like I am Setsuna, but it gave me the same vibe. It's very somber mm. kind of vibe to it. Uh, the other complaints I have have to do with uh, like kind of control schemes. And the way Hugh feels. So those are the last two things. Hugh jumps the same, regardless of like if you tap the button, hold the button down, press it for a second, then let go. He jumps the exact same trajectory. And that's not the way games are played. Even Mario isn't played like that on the NES. And I don't understand as being, and I think I'm pretty much an expert in platformers, Games shouldn't and don't feel like that. You should have a little bit more control over yourself. It's not designed to be... Is that true? A- I, thought, I thought when I held the jump, he went further or higher. Because there's some with like the spikes on top of him. You had a short jump. No, I mean, there's... No, because those shorts... They, you can't jump high. You jump in the same arc like every time. And those things with the spikes are always overcome by putting a block down so you don't jump at all. So in my experience, I mean, I sat there and tried. I mean, I, mean, just I, believe, I trust you. That's something I, for me. It wasn't a complaint. I, I got in that. He jumps like he jumps and I went. He's not. You know, there are games that do this by design deliberately. Um, and, and usually the characters are heavier in Castlevania. Old Castlevania games. Uh, Trevor or Simon are very heavy and they drop like rocks. That's the that's part of the design of the game. That's what makes them so hard, especially when Medusa heads are flying around and stuff and you're getting banged around. Like, that's the idea. But most this game feels fluid and arcadey from mm-hmm. a platforming perspective. So it shouldn't have that similar. You should have more uh, of an acute awareness of how you jump. And the reason that they did that was from a design perspective, because you would be able to trick most of the puzzles by doing that. So the Makes puzzles sense. you're talking about where like if I were able to jump in a slow in a low arc, I could probably surpass or pass by half of the puzzles in the game. So um, so that's a, a deliberate thing. But the other thing is that when the game becomes very twitchy towards the end, after you have all the colors, which you do, right? So yep. after you have all the colors and uh you're in. You're going to the university, and then you're in the university. The, the game quite, becomes quite twitchy. In other words, it's not like you look at the screen, a static screen, like you wouldn't like uh, in Docker or something like that, and or a skate plan or something, and see. Uh, all right, let me think for a minute, and this is what I have to do. You like, know the path. You yeah, have to you, go and, further. And the game requires you to do like kind of move fluidly, but the game doesn't, especially with the control wheel, which is mapped to the right analog stick. It's not quite tight enough. And since the game doesn't freeze, but rather slows down when you're in there, you have to make decisions quickly. That's just not tight enough. And I'm not sure if it's because of the small circumference or the small circular kind of nature of the analog stick, as opposed to if you were playing it on PS4. But that was a major problem. And there are parts of the game where I'm like, I know what I have to do, and I, the game will not let me do it because... And I had to try over and over yeah. again. And that's just frustrating, especially me, with some of these stages. Figuring out how to change uh, the way I was doing it because I was the same way. Like, All right, cool. I'm going to jump from here. I have to switch to blue or light blue. I have to land on that. Then I'll go. The, and like I would do it. And I'm like, All right, nailed the light. And I'm, I'm like, How did I? Oh, well, it's not light blue. I pushed it up to light blue and let go. And when I let go, my thumb went off and it went orange or whatever the fuck it is. So I had to get used to, okay, jump, hold it, and then let go. There's like a, a very small specific reticle way. That, yeah, that a very you. specific way to make an eye fuck up. So, I mean, that's that's. Basically, what I've been playing—I mean, I've been playing a lot this last week. That's that's basically. It. I spent probably five, six, seven hours with Hugh, and I would spend another few hours with Shantae, and then yeah, about ten hours with with uh, Berseria, which I'd like to get back to, and I will. Uh, but we have another big game now that we have to get through. So yeah, um, so that will begin in earnest tonight. But yeah, that's what I've been keeping busy with. Nice. 
How about you? Uh, Jen came in town this weekend, so I didn't get a chance to play stuff. So the week was, uh, since last piece, I love you, was more Lego Marvel. Keep going on that. Going to platinum that. But I think I'm going to switch on and off with it because there are so many things coming out right now. And then uh, going back to uh, 2064 read-only memories. Uh, it's out this, or by the time you listen to this, it'll be coming out today if you're listening to it on Tuesday on the PlayStation Network. Uh, still highly recommend it, though I'm still super into the story. I really do love the characters, especially taking you know a couple days off and then coming back to it it did remind me of opening up a really good book where i i'm invested in this world and these characters and i want to see what the next step is and it's you know i started off from where i left off in chapter three of like all right cool like we've gotten past this major plot point which way are you going to go where do you want to go on this and i was like all right this is fun and i'm interested to meet those characters and see what's up one thing i want to call out and this is what I was checking my phone because I've t- Matt, the uh, designer developer, uh, talking to him out through Twitter DM about it or whatever. Uh, the one thing, and this is going to be different for you because there's a patch coming out tonight that, you, that you'll get when you get the game. Uh, for me, uh, it's uh, it's got an uh, an archaic save system. There's no auto save, so you have to remember to pop in and save your progress and go. And it was one of those where. Uh, I had been playing in my bedroom, played in the living room with you uh, when we were watching football. Then I, I, when I went back into the bedroom and started up again, I was playing off. I was like, oh, fuck. I, gotta, I went and downloaded my saves off the cloud to get them in there. But even then, it must have been when I stopped playing, when I went to take a nap during football, I put it into rest mode and didn't immediately save like I should have, which I usually do, but I boneheadedly didn't. And so when I even got my most recent save, I was still like... I still had to skip a whole bunch of conversations and make choices again and move arms around a certain way, which is annoying. But I guess, I guess with the patch, there's going to be warnings of like, hey, this doesn't autosave. You, it, or you could just make your game autosave since it's you know 2017. I agree. Uh, I agree. Actually, it's 2064 according to that game. Well, uh, yeah. but still great. I don't want to dissuade you from that. I think that's a, a small gripe from a, a game that has a really good story and I'm interested to keep playing. Just as an aside, games are too volatile today and the hardware is too volatile to not have autosaving happening constantly. Like the, sure. the, the, That's just a given. The, the fact that any game can be made without any sort of auto-saving functionality is actually quite puzzling to me. Yeah. Uh, this isn't uh, the battery-driven game ca- cartridges of yore on very archaic hardware. These things crash constantly. Um, and, you know, games crash with no fault of their own, too. PSN goes down, things are all fucked up on your cross-media bar, whatever it is. Like, you have to have that kind of functionality. The patch yeah. shouldn't tell people that. The patch should fucking auto-save. Sure. So a warning out there for everybody playing it. Colin, yeah. let's start the show with what is, and forever will be, Roper's Report. Time for some singular possessive news. There are, I, let me look real quick. Uh, there are. A baker's dozen, I bet. Mm, this mouse doesn't work. Let's see. There it is. There are nine items on the list. A baker's dozen. Number one, let's start with something happy before we go into something very sad. It's super sad. Number one, many congratulations to awesome games done quick which raised $2.2 million for the Prevent Cancer Foundation after their latest week-long marathon. The next Awesome Games Done Quick event will take place this summer, again for charity as always. Donations are still open for this last run. If you care to donate, you can head to gamesdonequick.com. Uh, donations will continue to trickle up, in, so the $2.2 million raise will probably raise, uh, be raised uh, a little bit uh, before they close it all down. But congratulations to them. I always love checking in on some of the games they're doing. People often bring to it my, some things to my attention. This morning I was watching a Final Fantasy 1 NES uh, speedrun. Um, and how they break the game and all very fascinating facts about these games. The, the, my favorite part is not only watching the game, but the narrators, uh, the, the, oh, the, the shoutcaster, the, the, yeah, the, the commentators. Um, I don't use the word shoutcasting because that doesn't may, mean anything. It's oh, just, okay. it's just commentating. What is, what does shoutcasting mean? Whatever you do when you esports shoutcast, but that's just commentating. Just letting you know how they do it, man. Yeah. I don't know what shoutcasting means, but the, uh, 
I, they have a lot of fascinating uh, things. Last year, I remember watching a Kid Icarus one um, from the NES, which is one of my favorite NES games. Uh, and you just learn a great deal about the way the game was made and the way that they, they manipulate the game. And with Final Fantasy in particular, one of the interesting things they had to talk about was how there's this sequence in the game that what like this this basic like this table coded into the game that that has like enemy move or enemy appearances and the way towns people move and stuff like that and the minute you start the game for the first time even if you reset the game and start it again that that table is now in flux and the only way to reset the table is to remove the battery from the cartridge or mm. to like beat the game and then go back to the to the start of the game which I thought was really interesting because everything was based on on that particular table being reset and if it wasn't then their speed run wouldn't have worked and I, so I, I thought that was really interesting stuff so congratulations to them it's for a great cause and, uh, and uh, really interesting content I think there as well um, and 2.2 million dollars is nothing to uh, sneeze at number two sad news Sony has shuttered yet another first party studio this time Gorilla Cambridge formerly known as Sony Cambridge is the culprit Founded in 1997, the studio is best known for the Medieval series on PS1, Primal and Ghost Hunter on PS2, and a more casual output on PS3 with games like TV Superstars, which I actually liked. I liked TV Superstars. It was, it was weird. Once they changed their name, they worked on perhaps their best game, Killzone Mercenary Hell for Vita, yeah. as well as the PSVR launch title Rigs, which appears to have bombed. Oh, no. Now, I'm going to stop here and, and talk a little bit about this because people are like, you don't know that it bombed. I'm like, no, you do know that it bombed. You can do a little bit of basic math. I went back and looked at October, November, and December's PlayStation blog top-selling games lists. They have PSVR spinouts. There are only like 25 PSVR uh, games right now, or 30, something like that. You know, And I'm not talking about compatible. I'm saying games that are available for PSVR that require it. So not like Tomb Raider or something like that. And or not like the upcoming Resident Evil, but a game like Job Simulator. Mm. Riggs doesn't appear in the top 10 on any of the months and not in the top 10 for the year. Riggs was $60. Riggs clearly bombed. I mean, that's just that's just the conclusion you can draw from that. So I just want to. I, I mean, how many? I don't know. I think we've had like th- uh, when we talked about PlayStation VR and I was like, are people still happy with it? We know it's sold out at launch. We know you have it. It seems like the idea was people bought it and were happy with it, and they're just not talking about it now. When people wrote in, they're like, I still use it. I still do this. I think there was like, of the dozens of responses we got, and this is totally haphazard math, only one person mentioned rigs. No, it doesn't sound... I, well, $60. I don't hear anyone talking about rigs. I have not seen anyone saying rigs is really great or really bad. Or, I mean, there's just no opinion, it feels like, on rigs. Right. I agree. Uh, moving on, this is the fifth first-party studio Sony has shuttered since 2012 after only shuttering one incognito in the decade preceding. Big Big Studios was closed in 2012 following the launch of Little Deviants on Vita. Zipper Interactive was also closed in 2012 following the launch of its Vita game Unit 13, written by our friend Jeremy Dunham, who's now VP of Psyonix, who did Rocket League. Same with Sony Liverpool, which was closed in 2012 after Wipeout 2048. The closure of Evolution followed in 2016 following the studio's botch handling of Drive Club. This leaves... Uh, Sony's first party studios between 10 and 12 strong depending on how you count them like do you count XDev do you count Northwest Studios whatever yeah. they have at least 10 uh, and let's see a far cry from the family strength in the PlayStation 3 era when I think they had 17 or 16 our very best goes out to all of those affected by the closure of Girl of Cambridge a very talented group over there as I think proven specifically by Killzone Mercenary but I was excited about their uh, their spinoff because I thought that uh, my theory was that they were going to do the next Killzone a mm. uh, mm. proper Killzone game Um that theory clearly wrong, although maybe that was possible, and then they were they and then they were canceled. The bigger thing here to me, Greg, is well, Colin, you stumbled on topic of the show. Tots, 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 tots. So let me. I'm going to run you through the three questions we have about the Gorilla Cambridge closure, and we'll go from there. How about that? First one comes, of course, from kindoffunny.com/psq, where you can get your question read right in the show. Son of Mar wrote in and said simply. Hi, Colin and Greg. Hope you guys are having a great day. 
So Gorilla Cambridge officially has been closed. Why do you think it was closed? Is it purely from a financial cost standpoint, or is there more than that? It's got to be. It's got to be because rigs bombed and and. But I, I. But again, it's this is the thing I've been saying about the closures of all of the studios, is that you can't. And I'm not saying all of them like incognito. I don't really care about. But but everything since Zipper and Big Big, which yeah, was yeah. like right after Vita launch. You can't make these first party studios create games for a proprietary piece of hardware that is not going to sell and then base the performance base their existence on the performance of that particular game the only studio with all due respect that seems to have closed because they fucked up was evolution right who completely fucked drive club, drive club yeah. for like a long time the game was supposed to be a launch game on ps4 Delayed. they were a year late in launching it and the game was fucked for another year after it came out so clearly like from a from a standpoint of like you guys screwed the game up, yeah. like you can understand. I don't want anyone to lose their jobs, but you can understand how evolution might be closed. But to ask Big Big to create a, a Vita game that uses the Vita and then no one cares about it, and then you close them to ask Zipper, who everyone loves, SOCOM, you give them SOCOM four, which no one likes. Then the PSN goes down. Then you ask them to make a Vita game. Then you close them. Uh, it doesn't seem fair, and it seems like it's the same. And I know business isn't fair, but it's it seems like the same thing happened with these guys. These guys are extremely talented. Rigs isn't a bad game by any stretch of the imagination. No. Um, and Killzone was great. And Killzone was great. Just didn't have this install base people would want. But you make them make a PSVR game, and then the game doesn't sell, and then it, it, I just don't get it. You know, I like, think I, I don't me, think it's fair. I, I don't. I I feel like it's not business isn't fair, and I don't think it's so much. That last straw is that the game didn't sell. I think it's the fact that they probably knew. They probably knew that was going to happen. They probably knew it with Big Big. And it's the fact of, all right, cool. We're doing this. You're making great games. All right, cool. They're not connecting. All right, cool. You're not. You're in pre-production on something that's going to be another two, three years out. We don't want to spend and fund that game and keep that going when we have all these different things, all these different studios out there making games as well. Right now, your games aren't performing, but we're still doing awesome. So why are we keeping you around? And I'm not saying it's fair by any stretch of the imagination. I'm with you. Hey, you made a great Vita game. Hey, you made a great VR game. People really aren't buying those. So whatever. But I think it's also the perspective of PlayStation shifting to the fact that it is like, okay, cool. We know who we are. We don't need as many first parties as we did. We had that strategy for PS3. It didn't make PS3 the first, you know, run away from xbox 360 eventually catches up and passes it but it didn't do it there and even now with playstation 4 exclusives aren't selling the system the system's selling on its own so let's let's start separating this off and lop you know pruning the tree so that we don't have as many branches making as many niche games we have everybody if you're making a first party game you're making a giant first party game sure but i i, I think it's a chicken in the egg kind of situation because i i refuse to believe that uh, in the in the waning days of Zipper, Sony went to Zipper and was like, "What do you guys want to make?" And they're like, "We want to make a Vita game." Oh, I know. You know, they were they were told to make a Vita game. Sure. And I'm sure Big Big was people have to remember Big Big was actually an independent studio. They made Pursuit Force on PSP and then were purchased. So their pedigree was in in handhelds. And this isn't. But my whole thing is like, you can't. You got to give them more than one chance, especially Zipper, which I'm still super salty about. And I don't even have. Uh, and, and, and you didn't have an affinity. I don't for have SOCOM. an affinity for Zipper at all. I don't care about SOCOM or Mag. Yeah. But it's like you, you, the PSN outage really fucked them and uh, uh, fucked their last PS3 game. Although SOCOM Four fucked itself as well, apparently. Yeah. But then you make them make Unit Thirteen, which people liked and actually sold pretty well. But then you close. It just there, there's a lot of moving parts. It's very dynamic and impossible to understand for us. But I look at situations like this and I'm like, with all due respect, it doesn't seem like this is the best management of your first parties if you're like no studio that's made a ps4 games closed no studio that's made a you know japan studios you know knack fucking sucks and they're making a sequel 
right? <laughs> like, so uh, to I me, mean, part so, of it though is the fact of your. I, yeah, I bet Zipper is, all right, cool, make this game, right? Make make us a Vita game. All right, you know, you guys, go, Girl of Cambridge, make us this VR game. I think it's not so much that you fucked that game up and we asked you to make it, or I mean, you didn't fuck that game up. That game's great, but we asked you to make it. I think it's the fact of, man, we're launching this hardware. We have all these studios to make stuff. We're, we can't make Naughty Dog do this, so who do we have on the roster to make, make stuff? All right, cool, go make it. You were already prop. I mean, like, I always feel like when we talk about this stuff, you know, the die was cast so long ago, where it's like, I bet, yeah, I bet SOCOM, first you bring up SOCOM 4, which, yeah, didn't wasn't critically well received, and then, of course, the network fucks it up and screws the narrative on that to begin with, but the one before that, MAG, another game people like we don't want to fucking play mag what and like there's a hardcore group that plays mag but not everybody else i think it's one of these the die was cast in these studios and you get to that point of like cool pull them off what they're doing and put them on this game and make you know what i mean let's get them out there and do this like go make we, we, we're already not trusting you already not believing in your future make this for us now and i don't it probably won't save your studio but we'll have something for launch and we don't have to inconvenience sucker punch we don't have to inconvenience studio japan yeah it just to me it seems it seems Business realities are business realities, but it seems woefully unfair that these studios are just kind of sent to die. You know, like they, they're not even given an opportunity to shine in a way that they're designed to shine before sure. given what one last opportunity to shine for the greatest number of people. And the bigger thing of the optics in in closing all these studios down, I mean, it doesn't take a genius to look at the support of Vita and the support, the, the nascent support of, v, of PSVR and realize like, any studio, any first party studio that gets anywhere near those devices is fucking gone. Now, there's not one first party studio that made a Vita game that exists. Have you, have you, like, with the exception of Japan Studio? But even there, there's so many. Wait, teams you mean there. that made it exclusively? Because Sony Bend in uh, uh, Uncharted. Oh, that's true. That's one. Yeah, yeah. So that's one example. Big Big's gone. Zipper's gone. Uh, Evolution's gone. Uh, or not Evolution. Uh, uh, Liverpool's gone. Evolution is gone for a different reason. Sure. It seems to me. Now, with PSVR, there were really two studios working on it. Three, technically, I guess, yeah. if you want to count Japan Studio. London Studios, very, very casual studio. They'll never make the getaway again. That's what they do. Uh, they still exist, and they made their kind of shit. And then, But then it, it just sends bad signs. It's like you guys are not even internally willing to f- support this stuff or take more than one bad game. You didn't let Big Big try again. You didn't let Zipper try again. You guys aren't hurting for that much money. These games don't cost that much money to make. You know, like, it just sends a bad sign. So My, if, they're, if they're already closing a studio... yeah. Well, again, but this is my, my my take on it, is the fact that those studios were fucked already. And you're talking about giving them one a- opportunity to shine as in make your make uh, you, you make. The, oh, my God, this game was great. We won't close you down. And I think it was already it's already in the planning documents at HQ that like we're going to close this down. So let's get the last of the juice from the grape here before we get rid of them like that. We need there needs to be VR games at launch. Hopefully we're inspiring third parties the way PlayStation 4 has where it doesn't need to be. It's not all, all on us where it was with PS3 where we had an exclusive every month from the first party doing stuff, whether it's Starhawk. Uh, so not you know what I mean? You know, Sony exclusive IP. Um, however, I want to jump into this VR bandwagon here. Micah or Mikea, however you want to say it, wrote in. <laughs> to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ and says, Hello, Colin Greg. My question is concerning VR. With the recent news that Sony is closing Gorilla Cambridge, is this a sign of Sony's support for VR and its developers? Riggs was marketed as potentially the game to get first players, I'm sorry, FPS players excited for VR and even seems to, nope, this is a long question, even showing interest in making an eSport. Now, just three months after the game's launch, it seems we will not be getting the continued support and planned updates for the game. There is even concern with how long the online servers will be active. 
five. I know rigs may not have sold as much as Sony initially hoping, but it really seems like they are giving up on it too soon. And I worry this may be a sign of dedication to VR in general. Sony's London studio was hit with layoffs after the development on VR's worlds was finished and drive club VR evolution studios are also closed closed. I hope this won't be a continuing trend, but I fear for the future of PlayStation VR. I would love to hear your thoughts. I love the show and everything kind of windows. Thank you, Mike. It's an interesting point, because if I was a third party developer, if I was an indie developer with a VR game or like with a pedigree to make a VR game. And someone's like, we want you to make a game for PSVR, maybe make it for Oculus or make it for Vive or whatever. And I'd be like, sure. What are you guys doing to support it? And they're like, oh, we actually aren't supporting it at all. So we're going to so, beat again. Yeah. So it's like, you know. It's a, it's a Vita 18 months into the Vita's life cycle where you go to a guy and you're like, hey, spend $10 million to make a Vita game. They're like, okay, what are you guys making? Oh, we are, oh, we are making any Vita games. You know? Yeah. So it's like, it's bad. It's bad. This is a harbinger. Any way you cut it of bad things. <laughs> and yeah. and I don't, I don't, I don't like, from a more uh, eagle's eye kind of view, I don't like the truncation of the first party to a degree where there is only going to be a couple of releases a year at the most. Like, I just don't know. I, I don't want to have five, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's healthy because I mean, looking at it, honestly, like the, like bend and media molecule are, are in, hold on. have to have the, 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 the sites are on them next. Like it, it, it has to be Bart from Toronto wrote into kind of funny.com slash PSQ. Just like you can, it says which Sony studio is on the chopping block next after the recent closure of gorilla Cambridge RIP, which studio do you think will get shut down next? If any, personally, I'm worried about both Sony bend and media molecule. They both haven't released a game since 2011. And those games were little big planet two and golden abyss parentheses. I know Terrorwave was from media molecule, but that was their B team. And it doesn't seem like it's sold. Well, if both days gone and or dreams, underperform what does that mean for bend and medium does that mean uh bend and media molecules days are numbered are there any other sony studios in danger other than bend and media molecule evolution was closed down last year and it seems like sony is cutting their studios quicker than usual no Thanks, so from so yeah i agree first of all that those are the only two other options at this point like the I because feel, now you're getting into the you're getting to the bone and like there's, there's a time where like sucker punch isn't getting shut down naughty dog's not getting shut down sony santa monica is not getting shut down san diego's not getting shut down japan studio polyphony they're not getting shut down uh, Gorilla's not getting shut down. Sony London is like basically their ex-dev support. They're not getting shut down. So you don't have that much left. Yeah. Like, it, and Bend and Media Molecule are clearly heads above the others in terms of like expose, like they're, they're in the foxhole exposing their heads. And uh, I fear especially for, for Bend. Um, yeah. But, Could, but now hold on because I want to talk about, uh, dissect this as we go. Do you fear for Bend because their game is next? Yes. That's the, that's the issue with me where I, I think that me, I, think media molecule will be closed down, but I think they're going to keep on seeing what they can do with dreams. And are they going to get dreams out? But I think dreams is far out where days gone is imminent comparatively. Mm -hmm. I don't think it is like tomorrow, but I think days gone could come out and then that would be the moment to decide. And that's when it really comes down to what we're talking about here in terms of how early the die is cast. Cause I don't think it's going to matter how Days Gone performs. I think they already have a decision or they're already wavering on what it is. Uncharted was great. We all know the Siphon Filter games were great, but there's been so much time, so much time between these games and so much money put into that studio. And granted, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You know what I mean? In terms of were they doing other stuff and then yeah, there's some them rumors off that there's some other things that were going on. Exactly. But, but you know, the Ben, I hope as everyone knows, I hold near him in my heart. I don't want anyone to lose their jobs and I of certainly course. don't want don't Ben. I certainly don't want Ben to get closed down. But I just feel like it's it, that task is impossible. Days Gone actually looks really fantastic, and I hope that the game murders and that they're able to, to keep that studio open. Dreams, I think, is DOA regardless. I, I'm, not, I'm still I'm still completely unconvinced that game's coming out. So so until I see otherwise, 
you know, I know that they had a, a, a blog update in late December being like, we didn't release our alpha or our demo as we, as we promised this year. And I'm like, yeah, I, we all noticed. We noticed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and didn't they just open another satellite studio media they molecule? They did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's some, there's some, there's some uh, in between the lines, like reading that you could say there's a vibrancy there that Sony really believes in what they're doing, but I just don't get it. They have not released a game of any consequence since 2011, as, as was noted there. And uh, I just don't understand how you can just inject capital into these studios over and over again. So I don't want any of these studios to close. In fact, I want the, the family to, to grow. But those are the next two. Like, because I thought after Big Big and Zipper, I'm like, that's the end of that. You know? And yeah. then Liverpool was actually a big one where I'm like, really? Like, Liverpool has a deep heritage, deep heritage, long before PlayStation existed. So that was like a huge surprise. I mean, Big Big wasn't so much a surprise. That studio put out four games. Sony bought them. They probably regretted it. Um, and then with Evolution, their writing was on the wall for them. They did that to themselves. So, uh, and I'm not saying that it was just their fault, but that game was clearly fucked sure. beyond measure. Um, and so that wasn't so much like Evolution probably would have survived to see another day, if not for the, the performance of Drive Club. I mean, it sold. And, that's, but the, the, but and the, that's the thing. Drive Club sold, and it was still like, you guys are done. We, you know what I mean? We, this isn't, that's the one where I, do, I think that was based on performance in terms of like, all right, what the fuck with the ones we're talking about now, you know what I mean? Cambridge. I don't think it was like, man, your games suck. I think it was just like, cool. We've gotten what we can out of you. And we don't think the business relationship's healthy anymore. You guys are all really talented. We hope you land on your feet. It's, it's, it's an interesting and, and strange kind of time we live in. And I just hope for the best for media molecule. And I hope for the best for bend. Um, and for the rest of the survivors uh, in this family, because obviously Naughty Dog's untouchable and Polyphony is untouchable. I mean, I, I don't think anyone's worried about that. Polyphony has two studios. The, the, I think, right. They have two teams. Uh, or two different places that people work out of in Japan. So, I mean, they're, they're similar to maybe what is going on with Media Molecule, but it's just kind of sad because that was really the... That is the strength of PlayStation. And while um, third parties are the lifeblood of any console, and I really believe that from a from a from an outsider's perspective, the actual real lifeblood are the first-party things, the games you can only play on that particular platform. And Sony, to their credit, is now going to come out with a bunch of big guns. We basically, I think, know the entire catalog of first party big first party exclusives that are going to come out with the exception of maybe sucker punches for the rest of the duration of the console's life mm -hmm. I, I don't think that anyone's going to come out and be like by the way in 2019 you're also going to get this i think we pretty much have a good roadmap and the roadmap is good and the roadmap is strong but i do feel for these people that seem to be caught in the crossfire uh and uh that seem to be victimized by dubious business decisions that don't necessarily speak to the quality of the output of the studio or the ability of that studio to make the next big thing. But the bean counters and the numbers, you know, the bean counters are seeing numbers that matter. And that's, that's relevant to Sony and Sony, of course, is also seeing numbers that indicate that they don't need these games. And, and that's fine on PlayStation four, but things like Vita and things like PSVR need endemic support or people outside are not going to want to support it. If you're not putting your money where your mouth is, then why the fuck would anyone else? And that's the big concern with VR is that this does look so much like the contraction that happened with Vita, where it was like, okay, no, bring everybody on. And I think that, in the, again, back to the dice roll and them being thrown so long ago, was VR thrown long ago when PlayStation had a different outlook on what they were going to be? And now they're sitting there, this runaway success of a console, and they're like, fuck. When we came out and we said, gamers want games, and that's the machine we're going to be, everyone agreed and listened and bought it, and for you know better or worse vr is a gimmick right now you know what i mean we talk about it, it can be a great gimmick it can be awesome maybe it is in 20 years is different future thing but are they seeing that and they're seeing their sales and they're seeing this and it's like 
well, fuck it, pull everybody off and put them on. Make, uh, let's, you know, let's make day, gays, games like Days Gone. Let's make games like Last of Us Part Two. Like, wh- let's let's contract the first party to not be doing the weird artistic crap to be doing fucking proven shit that people really like right now. Yeah, we'll see how it all shakes out. Yeah, I think that it looks bad though, and I'm not saying it bad, is bad. bad I just optics. think it looks, it looks bad. bad optically. Yeah. All right, should we move on? Well, you can. Number three. PlayStation 4 was the United States' top-selling platform for the month of December, a two-month-long streak that breaks Xbox One's multi-month performance on top in the fall. Interestingly, Xbox One also sold exceptionally well, according to Microsoft, calling December the console's best month ever in the U.S., and that the console, unlike PS4, had year-over-year growth and outsold PS4 in the U.S. for the last six months of 2016. All of that clever PR talk basically means that Xbox One is selling healthily, but is still getting beaten fairly badly by PS4, which now hovers around 55 million units sold. Number four. Signups are live for the upcoming PlayStation 4 firmware update. Don't according do to it. a post on the PlayStation blog. Don't head do to the beta. <laughs> head to the blog post and click on the link within the story to head to the sign-up page if you're interested. The post doesn't divulge what will be in the new big update or if the big update is even numbered 5.0 as expected. But it does state that if you're selected for the beta, you'll receive uh, you'll be notified rather via email. Just make sure you have an access to a master account. Mm-hmm. And as uh, Andrew, back Kelly, everything our, up. Andrew Kelly, our buddy over at Sony, notes on the blog post that you should be able to roll these things back. Um, but you know, lots of shittas, lots of shittas and woodas back up all your saves, all your games. If you do it, be prepared. You are testing something that breaks even when it's released. Usually number five, Square Enix has revealed that final fantasy 15 has surpassed 6 million copies shipped. The number seems to be, to be accurate as of the beginning of the year and doesn't represent the copies purchased by gamers. So the ceiling of Final Fantasy 15, as we speak, combining physical copies sold with digital sales is 6 million currently, which is a healthy sum for the game. Yeah. Number six. Resident Evil 7 comes out shortly and Capcom has revealed via the game Steam listing what is what its season pass will include. The price of the pass is unclear, but the Steam listing does note that the following will be included with it and that all of the content will come out before the end of 2017. There's Banned Footage Volume 1, which is Nightmare, Bedroom, and Ethan Must Die. Don't know what that means. Ethan Mars is in this game. Banned Footage Volume 2, which is 21 Daughters, Jack's 55th Birthday, <laughs> and a so-called additional story episode. We have no idea what any of that means, but I suspect we will shortly. Colin? Lean back, because from kindoffunny.com slash PSQ, I got a novel from Bonds4545. Bonds writes in and says, sound the goddamn alarms, everyone. A piece of hardware that's been out three months, putting at least two or more games in the drop each and every week since launch on top of what I consider a pretty decent launch lineup is now failing. Give me a break. I've even heard rumors that Sony isn't out of stock and that they are currently scrambling to make the device better because people are because it is breaking on people. I don't know what that means. However, this does lead me to the question in regards to the upcoming RE7 release. Is this make or break for PlayStation? VR in the eyes of everyone watching this device from the outside in. The biggest AAA title coming to VR that doesn't sell well or perform well on PSVR. I love my PSVR and I have about 16 games downloaded in my console. I'm supporting it as much as I possibly can as are many who manage to get their hands on one. But what but will that be enough if RE7 bombs in VR? If Shu and Sony are pulling the plug on this, a la Vita, I will be that quote, this is fine dog with a PSVR strapped to my head as this motherfucker burns to the ground. Thanks, gentlemen. Bonds forty five forty five. Are you talking about? Uh, I just want to be clear because we're not going to know how the game did on VR. Like, are you talking about the performance of? He's saying is this make or break for VR? No, it's not. It's not make or break VR. for VR, and we're not going to know how many people played it on VR unless the numbers are good, and then the game's going to sell millions of copies anyway. So you can't read anything 
into something where 95% or more of the people that played on PS4 are not going to play it in VR. But I think what this can be is the scuttlebutt, though, the conversation part of it, right? Where I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's break for VR. I don't think that if it comes out and it doesn't perform, if you put it on and it's not fun and people are getting car sick, they're just going to take it off and play it normally and be like, oh yeah, VR sucked. However, if you put it on and the experience is awesome and everybody who has a PlayStation VR that buys Resident Evil plays it that way and suddenly is tweeting about it, talking about it, writing in questions about it, and they're like, holy shit, this is fucking phenomenal. I think it can be this giant moment for PlayStation VR where, yeah, a third party does say, oh man, we're getting more Let's Plays, we're getting more people, we're getting more of those reaction videos doing this. We should think about putting VR into our games and it can be a thing where Sony gets to hang their hat on it and be like, oh, look at this success we had with AAA, blah, blah, blah. If it fails... And it's just a shitty mode. Nobody cares about it. I think everybody's going to be like, oh, that sucked. We were looking forward to that. No big deal. The game hopefully is great and we can go on. Yeah, I think you're right in the sense that there seems to be no downside to this at all for Sony. Yeah. Uh, unless it's like, just, you know, making your VR unit blow up or something like that. But even if the, <laughs> game, doesn't, but even if the game doesn't run right, which which I, I, it doesn't seem like Sony or anyone is, is trying to release VR games that don't run at a fluid frame because then it doesn't work at all. In other words, if it's just unremarkable, I don't think it hurts. I think if it's remarkable, it helps. So I think I think yeah, I exactly, think you're right. But exactly. I this isn't make or break because this isn't being looked at as a PSVR game. This is looked at as something added in for people that own PSVR and might be a reason why people get PSVR. So I think that it could have a lot of upside, but I don't think that the downside is very significant. It's certainly not the downside certainly isn't equivalent to the upside, or the the potential power of the downside is certainly not equivalent to the potential upside. Sean wrote into kindoffunny.com slash PSQ and says, Hi, Greg and Colin. My question is about Sony's missed opportunity to push the launch of the PlayStation VR system with the release of Resident Evil so near. Essentially, since the Nintendo Switch is on the horizon. I've not seen much advertising for the PSVR here in the UK after the run-up to Christmas. I would have thought we would see some kind of RE7 PSVR bundle announcement in order to distract attention away from the launch of the Nintendo Switch. I know it's still early days, but could this behavior be a sign that Sony once again is neglecting a product like they've done with PSVR? How would you guys appreciate the current market if your po the power was in your hands? Thanks for reading my message, Sean. It is surprising, I think, in a way that when Resident Evil 7 got announced, right, it was very much like, and you can play the whole thing in PlayStation VR, this is our feather in our cap, our exclusive for PlayStation VR. You, you'd think you'd hear more about that, because it was the conversation in our neck of the woods, in our video game friendos category, and community friendo, the best friendo, uh, people out there talking about the fact of like, I can't wait to play it in VR, I can't wait to play it in VR. I am a bit surprised the way we've talked about PlayStation, that they don't have some kind of weird bundle. Now granted, I'm sure they're still dealing with all the stock issues they, we talked about you know, before the turn of the new year, but you would think that they would have tried to get their ducks in a row for that to say, yeah, okay, cool, there is a Resident Evil 7 PlayStation VR bundle, and here it is. The they probably have bigger fish to fry. My assume is my, my or my assumption. Uh, my assume that doesn't make any sense. My assumption is that uh, there's more to this than meets the eye. Da -da 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 -da. The, there's all sorts of licensing and, and agreement issues, like. Even games that are appearing on both consoles, you'll hear, you know, Microsoft, for instance, notoriously is not super interested in even getting games that come to PlayStation first because they have some sort of, you know, standing kind of agreement with that, with the people that bring games to their console if they're not concurrent. Um, there could be all sorts of reasons why they don't want to do that. Capcom might not want to do that. Capcom yeah. might not want to make it seem like it's a VR exclusive that might might make for tepid sales on PS4 and moreover on Xbox One. So there's a bunch of reasons apart from Sony. Sony doesn't own this game. They don't control this game, and they they have to have permission to do that. Um, and I also think that VR bundles are generally not a good thing unless the, you know, originally we were like, well, why wouldn't you make a bundle that had VR and the PS4 in a game? And it's like, because that would be $700 or yeah. whatever, you know? And it's like that price point, even though it's reasonable, is not going to look good. 
And so at that point, it's like, well, what are you doing? And 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 this game's going to sell fine on its own. So they, sure. I don't. I really don't think Capcom cares one fucking bit who plays it on VR. And I think for Sony, I think they probably do have bigger stock issues to worry about. And they're just. I would love some kind of insight from Sony on that. A real conversation, a real. Bl- and I know we won't get it, but a real statement of like, hey, this is why you can't find PlayStation VR in stores. We're working on it. We're trying because if, if you figure like you know how it's always play it first or play it best or whatever. You know, I mean, played in VR like a commercial. A PlayStation puts out for Resident Evil Seven that ends with the VR thing. It seems like it would be exactly what they want. But if they can't, if you go to Target and you can't buy it, what's the point? It's also you have to just worry about people watching it, not listening. You have to worry about the the, the unintended consequences. Obviously, the Resistance Three commercial. Uh, back in 2011 is a great example it made it look like a move game uh, and it wasn't and most people did not play with the move most people didn't care but that commercial hurt it yeah um it didn't help it at all and so i think that uh there they learned lessons like that so i think it's more as with everything it's more complicated than it seems number seven want to know kratos's son's name in the upcoming playstation of god of war aptly called god of war okay his name is atreus Corey Barlog, who was directing the game at Sony Santa Monica uh, Studio, confirmed the name on Twitter after a fellow Twitter user discovered the boy's name in an MP3 tag from the game's soundtrack. Nice. Which I thought was pretty interesting because it says something about like introducing Kratos and, and Atreus or whatever. Um, so, interesting little tidbit there. Number eight, Sony has revealed an alternate PlayStation 4 color for the updated slim model. It's called Glacier White and has currently only been confirmed for Europe and Japan, though it's not inconceivable that it will ultimately be available elsewhere. The European release date of the new slick-looking console is January 24th. It will launch a month later in Japan. We'll keep you posted on release plans for other territories. And finally, number nine is the wrap-up, but there's only one game on it. Puzzle platformer Arose in the Twilight is coming to PlayStation Vita on April 11th and will be available both digitally and physically. Thanks, NIS. Um, And that is it for the news. You know, I can't wait for a rose in the twilight, but it's so far away. If I wanted to know what came to the mom and grop drop shops, where would I go? You go to the official list of upcoming PlayStation 4, PlayStation 3, PlayStation Vita, PlayStation VR, and sometimes PSP software by the kind of funny co-founder. Read only memories comes to PlayStation 4 digital. It's good. Neo San Francisco 2064 AD. Your life as a struggling journalist is interrupted by the world's first sapient machine, a ROM, relationship and organizational manager, named Turing. Together, you and the quirky robot will encounter a colorful class of locals and overcome challenges as you uncover the city's secrets behind the overlapping futures of technology and humanity. Mm. Can you survive in Neo SF or will the mystery go unsolved? I'm going to solve it. I'm enjoying the game. Save. Often. Atelier Shally Plus, Alchemist of the Dusk Sea, comes to PlayStation Vita, digital and retail. Atelier Shally has returned with additional features on PS Vita. Experience the world of Atelier through the expanded stories of the two Shallies as they meet characters from previous Dusk entries and use alchemy to fulfill their goals in this conclusion to the enchanting Dusk trilogy. I'm enchanted. Dead Effect 2 comes to PlayStation 4 digital. Dead Effect 2 is a sci-fi horror first-person shooter set aboard a derelict colonization spaceship. Stand up to the challenge as an elite soldier and try to seize control of the monster-infested ship. That sounds cool. Fate slash Extella, the Umbral Star, comes to PlayStation 4 and PlayStation Vita digital and retail. Experience lightning-fast battlefield action across an epic story in the digital realm of Seraph. That's S-E dot R-A dot P-H. Of course. The Holy Grail War is over, but the land's new rulers face challenges and threats from all sides. Those servants who survived the war now find themselves drawing up tense and unlikely alliances, preparing for a conflict that may tear Seraph apart or destroy it entirely. Oh my God, not destroy it. The Flame in the Flood Complete Edition comes to PlayStation oh. 4 Digital. This game looks great. Um, I got a code for it last weekend, but I was just busy. I played it on Xbox One for a while. It wasn't exactly what I wanted, so I stopped. Sounds great. I looked at some videos. It looks great. The Flame in the Flood Complete Edition is a wilderness survival game in which a girl and her dog travel on foot and by raft. 
down a procedurally generated river. Scrounge for resources, craft tools, remedy afflictions, evade the vicious wildlife, and most importantly, stay healthy in a dangerous wilderness. When I played it last year, it struck me maybe as one of those games that I just wasn't in the mood for. That's a topic we talked about, obviously, last week on the, the show. But I think, yeah, maybe another shot is needed because it is beautiful, and I do know people really liked it, but it just wasn't the <coughs> don't starve kind of thing I right. wanted to jump into at the moment. You got Everyone out there should go look at a video for it. It, it, it looks quite compelling. Gravity Rush 2 comes to PS4 Digital and Retail. It's out the 20th. That is a Friday release. Another mind-bending adventure awaits Gravity Queen Cat as a new danger emerges to threaten the fabric of the universe itself. Still searching for clues behind the mystery of her origin and with the powerful Raven at her side, Cat must master three unique gravity attack styles as she takes on enemies and massive bosses. Fun game. More Gravity Rush. Joe's Diner comes to PlayStation 4 Digital. Now we're talking. Somewhere along the venerable Route 7 in the middle of nowhere, you will find Joe's Diner. As an employee working the graveyard shift for the next month, your primary task is to keep the tables clean. No tough challenge at all. Unfortunately, the old diner was built on the site of a burial ground. No! Sounds kind of neat. It does sound neat. Quest of Dungeons comes to PlayStation 4 Digital. Quest of Dungeons is a turn-based dungeon crawler and a roguelike featuring a good old 16-bit retro artistic look. An evil dark lord has stolen all the light, so your mission is to enter his lair and defeat him. By playing as either a warrior, a wizard, an assassin, or a shaman... You have to traverse dungeons, defeat enemies, and loot everything you can in order to survive. The uh, The art for the game looks pretty cool. At least in the that little sounds really game. cool. That was a really good write-up, too. I like how it's called Quest of Dungeons. It's yeah. Ruby Grim Eclipse comes to PlayStation 4 Digital. Get ready for intense combat action as you battle Grim across familiar locations of Remnant, including new areas never before seen in the show. Play as Ruby, Weiss, Blake, and Yang, or is he Yang? I don't know, and I don't care. In this character-driven adventure that explores new storylines, new Grim types, and a new villain. Until we even associated ourselves with uh, uh, Rooster Teeth around this time last year, I didn't even know that it, I thought it was R W B Y. Yeah, yeah. If I didn't hear fucking Tim talking about it all the time, I wouldn't know it was Ruby. Nerds. Dork. Siegecraft Commander comes to PlayStation 4 Digital. Play through the night campaign as you battle against the tribal lizard men, or enjoy the groundbreaking PvP combat system that will deliver fast-paced real-time strategy action or tactical turn-based gameplay. Damn, there's a lot of things happening in this game. The objective of each battle is to destroy the opponent's keep. Players can decide to either quickly attack an opponent's base, adopt a more defensive strategy by fortifying their own headquarters, or maintain a balance of offense and defense. Colin, do you like a balance of offense and defense? I do. That's what wins championships. Super Magical comes to PlayStation Vita Digital. This is the final game of the week. Welcome to the incredible world of Super Magical, where bubble popping has never been so much fun. Ooh. Super Magical is a unique puzzle adventure with a rich world to explore and an award-winning soundtrack and tons of power, spells, pets, and mounts to unlock. I love mounts. And that is all for the games this week. Pick of the week, I assume, would have to be 2064 since you like it. I'm a big fan, yeah. Do you have anything else you want to recommend out there? I haven't played any of these other games, so. Okay. <laughs> so I nothing to recommend. The only game on this, that I'll play 264 when it comes to Vita, and the... Uh, Flame in the Flood looks awesome. I'm looking for. Uh, yeah, I want you to try it and see what you think. Because yeah, I, I played it for just a little bit and it was you know, not what I wanted. But I'm not sure if it wasn't what I wanted at that night or period. And I got bigger fish to fry this week. Colin Trophy time. There are three games worth. Uh, Finally, a look at. someone's updating the trophies. Uh, 2064 read only memories trophies are live now. You're familiar with these because you're playing on Vita. So they're. Oh no, you're playing on PS4. I'm playing. So you can't even see them. Exactly. Uh, 62 bronze, one silver, one gold, one platinum. Hey, it's got a platinum though. Well, if it has 64 bronzes, it must have a platinum. True, but still, you never know uh, with this fucking system. Somebody could fuck around with it. So there are bronzes uh, for completing uh, chapters. The major thing here that I thought was interesting, there are a lot of miscellaneous trophies, obviously, because there's a fucking shit ton of bronzes. This is basically, by the way, as many bronzes as you could fit into a game while still having a silver and a gold. Mm-hmm. A little piece of history for you there. Uh, but there is, uh, where is it here? There are multiple endings and multiple ways to end the quest. So th- there's uh, storylines that I guess are n- narratives in the game that can conclude and end or begin 
whenever that will affect these particular trophies. I guess what I'm saying is you're going to have to beat this game a lot, I think, it looks like, to um, get all your trophies. For instance, actually, this is a spoiler, so I want to talk about that. All right. It's one of those, uh, in terms of playing through it, like, this is what I've noticed playing through, you know, my first time or whatever. Uh, I'm into it. I'm listening to the dialogue. I'm actually not, you know, the t- dialogue pops on screen, but I'm actually letting it play out like a movie or a TV show where I'm listening to what the characters are saying because I think the voice acting is so good. Uh, but then when I came back and had lost a couple hours because of my, or maybe an hour because of that save gaff, uh, skipping through the text, like you make up so much time. So in terms of there being multiple endings, it, it might be super simple in terms of having a trophy guide or whatever of, well, I'm going to play this the same way and then I'm going to get to this very crucial right. moment and I'll choose something different and see how that goes. It seems by my account that there are about 10, uh, well, basically 20 bronze trophies that are interconnected in 10 pairs. Do this or this, do this or gotcha. this, do this or this or this or this. So we'll see how that all works out. The Flame and the Flood Complete Edition, 16 bronze, 18 silver, two gold and a platinum. Uh, this sounds great just by the combined with the video that I looked at and the trophies. Uh, it just seems like an interesting game. Forage or eat every type of plant. Stay warm. Build a campfire. Um, learn the hard way. Die in every possible way. Mm. Sickly contract an affliction, etc. And so on. Uh, the goals are reaching the kingdom and campaign mode, which is the I guess the end of the game, and then survive 200 miles in endless mode, which would be very difficult from what I was reading. Um, and then the silvers are kind of interesting. You can kill a bear for a silver trophy. Um, you can get uh, invincible, which is a silver trophy for traveling for 20 days. Every stat at 100%, no afflictions. Um, vegetarian, survive the first 20 days in endless mode without killing any animals and stuff. So there's going to be, this be an interesting one. It reminds me a little bit of Don't Starve. 100%. Uh, the final one that I thought people would be excited about is Valkyria Revolution, Ooh. which comes to Vita and PlayStation 4. Uh, let's see. That comes out in June, actually. So this is very early. Um, but this game is out in Japan uh, this week, later this week. And so I think that this is just the English mirror of those trophies. 10 bronze, 11 silver, 6 gold, and a platinum. And the trophy lists are unified for PS4 and Vita, in case you are curious. Um, the trophies are kind of intermingled, a lot of golds and silvers. I hate when I hate when trophy lists are like, uh, like I want all the bronzes, then I want all the silvers, then I want sure, all the golds. Sure, you don't want a mixed. Uh, but this seemed to be, uh, not that this is uh, every, anything to do with it, but Valkyria Chronicles, because it sounds like it, but this in different universes. Valkyria Revolution is not a continuation of Valkyria Chronicles. Uh, but Valkyria Chronicles PS4 launch last year had trophies that seemed to be way more uh, obtuse and abstract than these. Um, so like you get a silver for clearing 100 missions here. Achieve S rank in all story missions. You get a gold and stuff like that. So a little more straightforward. Gotcha. Uh, which I think is good as well. I so we'll, that. we'll be looking forward to that. Again, that game comes out in Japan if you want to import it. Uh, there is no region locking, I don't believe. Um, but we will wait until June 30th, which I think is, or June or something when the game comes out. So that's it for the trophies. Daddy Bears wrote in to kindoffunny.com slash PSQ to be part of trophy time and says, hey guys, I have a trophy time question or rather a trophy time success story. I just platinum Ninu Kuni and it would be great if I could get some internet validation for the 87 hours it took me to get that sparkling 2.6% trophy That's a tough one. that is now mine forever. I owe my love of trophies to you two from back in the beyond days. Have a wonderful rest of your day and be well, Daddy Bears. Congratulations. Congratulations. That's a big one. So I had Nino Cooney like a month and a half early. Yeah. And uh, there were no trophy guides, obviously. There were maybe Japanese ones, but I couldn't read them or whatever. And uh, I probably, if I had, if I had played it after release, probably would have platinumed it. But there were just, there were just certain obtuse things that I couldn't. You didn't want to go back and do it again. I mean, I didn't even know what I was missing. Of course. And you couldn't, you know, it was a whole, it was a whole to do. 
G underscore V underscore Black wrote into Trophy Time and says, suggested addition to Trophy Time. This trophy can go fuck itself. For that, I nominate Battlefield 1 Silver Trophy, taking down giants, earned by unlocking all Codex entries in the Friends in High Places war stories. Most of the single-player challenges add fun and replay value for their completionists like me, but Cannons in the Sky, awarded for destroying 10 aircraft within 30 seconds using an anti-aircraft gun, is enough... It's enough it bring out the controller, thrower, and even mo- the most calm and level-headed gamers. Thanks for everything you do. That trophy can go fuck itself. Yeah, that's a really tough one. The, the, I talked about that on the show, I think. That was... I had, a t- I had to, like, watch, like, these breakdown videos to, in order to even get it. It's did fucking, you get it? It's fuck- yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. How long did it take you? Not as long as I thought. Yeah. Like, 20 minutes. Oh, wow. But, okay. but uh, you have to do it over and over again, and, and uh, it's just really, really difficult. So you're on top of a Zeppelin. There are these... German fighters coming at you or whatever and you have to like just it has to be perfect it's really hard so I uh, I was so fucking ecstatic when I got it because I was like you I know, bet, yeah. it wasn't nearly as bad as that Titanfall trophy that I abandoned but yeah, um, yeah I saw Scott Porter a friend of the show over there got it on Xbox achievements I was like damn dude you're fucking hardcore to sit there and play that Titanfall run over ridiculous. and over. That's and such over a bad. I mean that th- that is such a bad trophy. That's one of the worst trophies I have seen. Anything you have to do Especially perfectly like that, you can't like you, you have to like get it down to the nanosecond. And you can't fuck up the littlest things. Like that's not fun. That's not no. It's not fun. And that's the thing. It's like the, make them chat. Like make it a challenge, but don't make it crazy. You know, yeah. uh, modern Modern Warfare Remastered has a similar one where you have to beat. Uh, the best time the developers got um, to get through like the intro sequence or whatever in that like, house when you're learning how to use flashbangs right. and stuff. I'm like, this is fucking hard. Like, why? This isn't fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Make it difficult, but don't make them unach- unattainable. Like, I, I think some people are just totally out of whack with like what the expectations of trophies and achievements. You shouldn't make them easy. You shouldn't get them automatically. But this time trial shit, all this kind of it's not fun. Yeah. No, I want to sit there and I want to play the game in a different way, but I don't want to sit there and feel like I didn't wall run just for the long enough time to get over there to do that to get that fucking thing. Let's check in with the readers call. Of course, thanks to Jericho over on the Kind of Funny forums for compiling all these for me. We're going to start with Alejandro, who says, Hi, Greg and Colin. In a post-Nintendo Switch conference world, is Vita 2 more or less possible? Now that they can present the new Vita as just, a, as just a handheld, more powerful than last Vita, with better battery life than the Switch, and with games designed for a handheld, it wouldn't be something living between worlds. If you like big games, go buy a PS4. If you like gaming on the go, buy this new and improved Vita. I think they can fill that space in the market that Nintendo is seemingly leaving open. What do you think? Greetings from Tenerife? I don't know what the hell that is. Tenerife. Some country or state that we don't it's know not about. not a country. Is uh, the state? It's not, See, I like how that's what you queued in. <laughs> Some country or state, not a country. Might be a state somewhere. Right? Uh, uh, is Vita two more more or less uh, likely? Uh, I think it's probably as likely as it was, which is not very. But yeah. the there's, I don't think I think Sony's going to pay attention to Switch very carefully, and I think that there's things they can learn from it. But I just don't think you can learn anything from it yet. Um, you have to like see it in the wild and see what it can do. The compelling thing about Vita would be if it was a powerful device that was $300, $250 that had some sort of way to tether it to PlayStation 4 so you can at least play those games on the big screen. So that's like kind of mimicking the ability of what it does. In other words, uh, debug Vitas have HDMI out, right? which was like a closely... like Sony used to get so mad at us if we even took a picture or showed a video of those Vitas because they didn't want anyone to know that these had HDMI outs. Meanwhile, they probably could have sold millions more copies if they had a fucking HDMI out on them to begin with. But... Um, uh, if they do something more systemic like that to let you play the games on the big screen on the TV um, or some way attach it, like, wouldn't it be cool if you can attach it to your PS4 in some way sure. where you can then just put, use your PS4 controller and play games off of your Vita? It'd be fucking awesome if um, I plugged my Vita into my PlayStation 4 and it just didn't say this device is supported. I'm like, no shit. But, I mean, <laughs> these are so unlike, these are pie in the sky. Unlike my old, I mean, I think that 
especially as we look now with the conversation we've had about uh, Gorilla Cambridge, like I think v, uh, PlayStation is currently marching in such a different direction that th- I think there's no shot for a Vita 2. I think they are, they're going to watch what Nintendo does. And if, yeah, they find some huge success and have a, maybe they'll think about it again, but clearly they're paring down the first party to just make big AAA games for the PlayStation four. Let everybody, let all the indies and all the third parties who want to get on this system that selling like gangbusters get on there. I don't think they're in the mood to get in there and, water it down more and be like all right cool you can get the playstation slim or the pro or so you can get the playstation vr you're gonna get the vita you can now get the vita 2 and a lot of people writing well, wanting a psp 2 like no they're i think they're trying to get as simple as possible where we are playstation we make playstation 4 games you can do everything you want on it and that's yeah how it goes. i think the only thing i would disagree with is that i think that if you can learn the compelling reasons to join the market whether the switch does well or not and they're just different reasons so um, if Switch bombs, for instance, which it won't bomb out of the gate, but it, it's not going to sell very well, I don't think ultimately. If you look at that and you're like, "But there's a there's a interest in handheld gaming. It's just this didn't deliver." Then you can learn something from that. And if and on the other end, if, if Switch takes off and they're like, "Well, people love this thing because you can play it handheld," then there's something else to be learned from that. Either way, it compels you to not seed that market to Nintendo alone. And I think that's the only big mistake is like Sony has the power to fight them um, on this front. Yeah, they just have to do it in a compelling way. Um, and yeah, it would require some first party resources that they probably don't have, but I honestly, I, I mean, like, I hear you, I but know. I think it's a desire thing. I think PlayStation has no desire to compete in this market. And I think Vita is the great example of it. The going got rough and they bailed. We're out. I mean, they can learn all the lessons they are about to learn from switch and what they're doing with this. If this thing would have talked better with PlayStation four, if this thing would have had an HDMI out, if the, we can sit here and give you a million reasons the Vita would have. And I think PlayStation a few years ago, if we were talking <laughs> to them, you could make a compelling argument. If you know, timelines were different in terms of like when the Vita gets released, and but it has all the same lessons to be learned from. You could sit down and have that conversation with them and be like, "All right, you're right. We're excited about this, and we are going to commit first party resources, and we are going to get third party." But it's going to be this exact same thing now. Where if you were like, "All right, we're making a Vita too," third party's gonna be like, "No, go fuck yourself. We're not gonna make a game for this. We saw what you did last time. It's the same thing that's happening with the Switch. Clearly, mm-hmm. where true. it's like, fine, we'll port over old shit, and then when it doesn't sell, we'll say, see, told you, and not make new shit.' That's true. That's a great point." Maverick writes in with another Nintendo-related question. He says, Hi, Colin Greg. Hmm. With the announcement of the new Legend of Zelda coming on the 3rd of March, 2017. Don't fucking write like that. You're on an American podcast. March 3rd, 2017. I wanted to ask if you think this will affect the success of Horizon Zero Dawn. I want Horizon to succeed as a new franchise since we don't have many this generation. No. No? I really don't. I mean, I'm sure that they'll lose some sales somewhere in there. But no, I think Horizon is going to be a huge, huge hit. I really do. I think it's going to be huge. And, uh, you know, hopefully I'm not proven wrong because I really think the game looks great. And I think Gorilla deserves that kind of success. And I think this is what the ecosystem needs. The ecosystem, There's just not many proprietary. I mean, proprietary open world role playing games are few and far between. And just really yeah, don't exist. Exactly. You know? yeah, so no, I'm with so, you. so uh, I, I think there's a shit ton of potential in Horizon. And I really don't think I think you'd be surprised how little the bleed over is between the PlayStation audience and the Nintendo audience at this. I think I think I, at this point, I think the audience gets smaller and smaller by the fucking day for that thing. And I think and you'll see on column was right this week, which I just wrote as of the time I'm recording this. By the time you see this, you'll have to wait a few days probably to see it, the video itself. But Nintendo's audience is just shrinking and Nintendo really, I mean, switch looks not good. So, um, and that's coming from someone who was 100% po- uh, optimistic and positive about it. So, uh, Honestly, I, think I don't this, think Sony's very scared at all. I think this could easily blow back the opposite direction, where I think Horizon comes out, and I don't. We don't know Horizon from a hole in the wall. You know, what I mean, we've played it at E3, and that was it. Horizon 
could come out ahead of Zelda and be like, holy fucking shit, this open world is so awesome, so alive. I want to get lost in it. I want to go do all these different things. And then you get Zelda and you're going to be directly comparing it to a game that came out the week prior and being like, ooh, like this is, it's Zelda great, but like it's so empty and it doesn't feel alive. And, it, and I'm, I've played Zelda. I'm interested for Zelda. I want, I'm yeah, going to play Zelda on launch day. I'm excited it is it. definitely that thing of I could easily see it going the opposite direction. Not that Zelda hurts that where literally you have a pool of reviewers and commentators who are like, man, we just played two games that are kind of doing similar things. And holy shit is one way better than the other. One is a 2017 game, whereas this one feels like a 2015 Wii U game. Don't know if that'll happen. Hope it doesn't. Hope they're both awesome. Buying them both. Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. Colin, mm. this question comes from the almighty Foofy. Oh, the almighty Foofy says, hey, G-Dog, C-Dog, and big K-Dog. On last week's PS I Love You XOXO, Colin mentioned that it was probably a bad decision for Sony have to continue to support and pour money and resources into The Last Guardian for as long as it ended up taking and its dead on arrival sales numbers. Do you think that Sony might run the risk of making the same mistake again with Hideo Kojima and Death Stranding? By no means will I defend Konami for what they did to him, but Kojima has a knack for his games either taking too long, costing a ton of money, or a combination of both. Could Sony potentially face a second Last Guardian situation with Death Stranding? Or do you think their experience with Last Guardian might force them not to give Kojima complete carte blanche to create his game? Thanks and P.S. Thanks and P.S. I love you, but let's be friends with benefits. The almighty Foofy. I don't think you're going to see the same situation. I think people have I, to, I think people have to measure their expectations. This game's coming out in 2020. I mean, like, like or 2019. Like, I, I, it's very, very far away. And anyone who's telling themselves otherwise is, de- is deluding themselves uh, of that obvious fact. Same thing with The Last of Us when everyone's like, maybe next year. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't think so. Uh, but uh, to me, well, I guess it was while well, I was saying that as in 2016. I don't think it comes out in 2018 either, though. We did a whole prediction yeah. episode. You can, so go you, guys go, you can go listen to that and watch that. But uh, no, I think Sony knew what they're getting. Um, Kojima does have a certain... Uh, uh, well, Kojima games come with a certain expectation of, of high price point um, for the publisher and uh, time and that's not super unique at this point i mean that's that's the way he rolls and so i think that they know what they're getting into he's a visionary and uh with sony's first party support my hope is that the game doesn't get too out of control and doesn't take too long so i'm not really super worried about that my bigger concern uh is the fact that people don't seem to understand that the last guardian was completely botched and uh that people just defend this game to no end and and and, and from a critical and commercial standpoint you can defend it all you want i hope it sells fucking millions of copies and i hope everyone Everybody enjoys it, it yeah. it's great i don't care what I'm saying is that you can't conflate this particular game and the experience with The Last Guardian to anything else that's going on. The Last Guardian was completely botched. If we're a decade from now and Kojima's still working on Death Stranding, then yeah, it is the same situation. I don't. That's not what we're going to get out of this. People are like, well, you don't understand this, and a small team was working on it here, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, what you don't seem to understand is that clearly the game was fucked up. And... <laughs> They started that, and they start and they like and like it took forever and it's inexcusable. I mean, that's what clearly some people don't understand. And we just aren't to that point yet because the game is is in its in its infancy right now with with Kojima. So we have to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I think he deserves that. I just think it's going to take him four years. Yeah. Yeah. You know? and, and again, uh, that's not the same as what Last Guardian was. No. In terms of cycles or anything like that. But I do think, yeah, they'll be watching him. But I, as we see them closing down first parties and doing different things, I think that's what Sony is now. But it's it's so it's so crazy, Greg, like. Still, some of the things you read with about the last guy, where everyone's like, "Oh, you guys are overstating. You don't know what you're talking about." I'm like, "No, you're right." The game announced in 2009 for PlayStation 3 that was probably in development since like 2007. Yeah, everything was totally smooth that entire time. No one fucked it up. Ueda just you know disappeared for a little while, you know, or like you know was he like and came back. Yeah, and the, yeah, 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 no, everything's totally, everything was totally on the up and up. You're absolutely right. 
The Last Guardian, was, uh, that was the most fluid, easy development that ever happened. It, it Mean- went down just like the blueprint said it would. Meanwhile, uh, in the time that that game was developed, uh, Naughty Dog made Uncharted 1, Uncharted 2, Uncharted 3, Uncharted 4, and The, the Last, Last of Us. Us. Just throwing that out there real quick. Five games, probably demonstrably better than The Last Guardian. So, just tossing that one. You gave me a little free throw there, so I wanted to you know, take advantage of that. I'm gonna tap. You know, we'll do the little handshake like they do after the. the like, no, no, like you know. Like, oh, like we. Oh, I see. You just hit the free throw. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry, my apologies. I didn't realize we're on the basketball court. Right. Right. Because we're staring at each other. That's right, not right. how you it's shoot free throws. Weird. Yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah, unless it was in. Use your mind's eye. Teen Wolf. Remember in Teen Wolf, Mick stood underneath the basket after getting thrown out of the game while Michael J. Fox shot the free throw. To win. I'm like, that's not how basketball is. That's not how that, that Mick wouldn't be there. Get your head out of your ass, Teen Wolf director. Final question comes from Jonesy the Jet. He says, on Greg describing Kevin. As a 1950s Ford in the front yard in Nebraska and needing to quote unquote warm up, you got to know that cars before the 1980s had carburetors instead of electric starters. So they almost instantaneously produced heat and didn't need to warm up as the more modern vehicles do! Exclamation part. So question, was that a compliment in disguise? No, Jonesy the Gent. I hate Kevin Coella. Colin. Get back in the garage, you nerd. You fucking dork. Why listen to this? Go listen to Car Talk. Uh, are you ready to meet your new best friend? Don't listen to Car Talk. It's like the only podcast that beats PS I Love You on <laughs> and, and by the way, they haven't recorded a new yeah, episode in like four runs. years. I haven't looked at the iTunes chart in forever. Are they still on top of us yeah. all the time? Car Talk's fucking awesome. I didn't say it was a bad show. Go get them. Uh, your best friend this week, Colin, is It's Turf. Like, It's Turf, but missing. It's I-T-Z-T-R-F. It also could be a nominee for the worst PlayStation Network name of the week. Anyways, it's Turf says, Hey, Greg, Colin, and Kevin. Long-time listener, first-time writer, and PS4 owner. Smiley emoticon. I live in Argentina, and the price of the PlayStation 4 has been $1,000 US since launch. I'm on vacation in Chile, and it's way cheaper. So I said, what the hell? And here I am, almost crying on the first few minutes of The Last of Us. Anyways, since I'm new to PlayStation, I got no buddies. My PSN name is It's Turf. I-T-Z-T-R-F. And then he says, that's A-T-Z-T-R-F. He spells it out. I'm like, no, it's turf. Yeah, I don't care. I don't see an I and say, hey, that's not, it's I. That's an I. I-T-Z-T-R-F. Not A-T-Z-T-R-F. No, no. This show is awesome. P.S. I'm definitely buying. Are you saying that or are you saying that he wrote that? Which part? The show is awesome. No, he said that. I'm back to him now. The show is awesome. P.S. I'm definitely buying the Mayo game tongue out emote account everybody you have to go best friends and support it's turf i-t-z-t-r-f send him psn messages friend request him show him the ways of the playstation while he's in argentina argentina uh necrom off boy has this week's forgotten playstation game this is where one of you goes to kindoffunny.com slash psq and gives us a game we don't talk about enough from the playstation's legacy necrom off boy says gents I wanted to submit a game that I think is one of the rare gems that many have not played and deserves to be acknowledged. I want to take you back to the 90s with Bugs Bunny Lost in Time. This was a phenomenal game on the PS1 that took everything you loved about Looney Tunes with the platform creativity of Mario 64. You played the role of Bugs Bunny, who in his quest of traveling to to a multitude of universes in time from Stone Age to Dimension X, collecting clocks and carrots in order to return to his own time and just relax. (laughs) Meet ca- meets characters like Elmer Fudd, Marvin the Martian, Witch Hazel, and even relives some Looney Tunes iconic cartoon moments like battling out sign flipping fun for Fudd to decide if it's rabbit or duck season. 
This was a really awesome platform game with a bunch of levels, moves, collectibles, and more. Why was Elmer Fudd such an idiot? I have no idea because humans have to look dumb for some reason. Someone accidentally shoot him in the head or something? Probably, yeah. When he was on one of his hunting trips? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Fucking auto-erotic asphyxiation. Uh, There has not been a game in the Looney Tunes universe to match what this game did back in 1999, and it's my pick for Forgotten PlayStation Game of the Week. Thanks, Necromoth Boy. No problem. Thank you, Necromoth Boy, for reminding us all that there was a Bugs Bunny PS1 game. I miss Cool Spot on the Genesis. Remember Cool Spot? Yo, Noid. Well, we all know what happened to the Noid. Uh, time to meet. Do now. <laughs> PSN's worst name of the week. Uh, this is, of course, Shuhei Yoshida refuses to let you change your PlayStation Network name. So you go to the Kind of Funny forums over at kindoffunny.com slash forums and submit your bad PSN name or one you see. I don't, like, I don't like doing those all the time. I think this might be one of them because it's a really bad one. But anyways, here we go. This one's from Simon666 in Toronto. Toronto. He says, Hail Colin, both fists forward, and Greg. I like to submit possibly one of the worst PSN names of the year. No, it's not my PSN name, even though mine is quite bad. But I came across it while playing GTA 5 online on PlayStation 4. After looting the convenience store and stealing some goods, some asshole killed me. I was super annoyed. When I read his username, I almost fell off my chair, thus almost killing my cat who was sleeping under my chair. Brace yourself. His name is Cummies for Kitties. <laughs> that's right. Yikes. Cummies for Kitties. Who on earth think that's a good PlayStation Network name? I doubt this person is a pedo and I doubt this person is a pedo in disguise, but why would you want to associate yourself as a pedo? My god. Please you, hey, let this man change his name. Much love from Toronto, Simon 66. Jesus. Cummies for Kitties. I don't know if, if if I had Cummies for Kitties and I wasn't banned yet, I don't think I'd want to throw it off. What do I care? Be- it's probably going to get banned now. That's usually how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> that bad PSN name was brought to you by Movement Watches. That's MVMT Watches. They were founded on the belief that style shouldn't break the bank. The watchmaker's goal is to change the way consumers think about fashion by offering high-quality, minimalist products at revolutionary prices. Uh, we have them. You've heard us talk about them before. I have the black band, black watch with the red uh, hands. I use it when I wear my suit. It looks really good. Movement Watches start at just $95. At a department store, you're looking at 400 to 500 bucks. Movement figured out that by selling online they were able to cut out the middleman and retailer markup providing the best possible price they have classic designs quality construction and stylized minimalism over 500,000 watches are sold in more than 160 countries you can get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to movementwatches.com slash love again that's mvmtwatches.com slash love uh, it's clean face we already talked about that minimalist you know that uh, you can step up your watch game Go to movementwatches.com slash love. Love, man. Where is the love? love you know man. what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. This has been PSI Love You XOXO episode 70. Thank you for joining us. Remember, PSI Love You XOXO is kind of funny.com's PlayStation podcast. It posts every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and podcast services around the globe and you make it the number one playstation podcast on the internet so thank you so much for all of your support whether we're talking about poop or we're talking about sony shit in the bed on something and then wiping their butt and then wiping with their butt nor- with quilted northern, quilted northern. F- the three ply three ply i can't believe it it's, That's un- a lot, it's unbelievable and you're not paying that much more every episode of PSI Love You XOXO ends in a song in a segment we call Singing a Shoe Hey this is where one of you talented motherfuckers sends me 
an MP3 and YouTube link to a song you've done over at kindoffunny.com slash PSM. I download the MP3, put it at the end of our MP3, and on the YouTube video, I annotate to your YouTube video. This one comes from Jordan C. Hey folks, been listening since episode one. Love the show and all that you do. I bought a Vita after listening to just a couple episodes of PSI Love You XOXO, and it's all your fault. I love my Vita, parentheses, and Colin, I encourage you to try Risk of Rain again. I always enjoy the great conversation you guys have and look forward to the new episodes every week. I also make music and just put out a couple of new tunes in the new year. I don't play a lot of shows anymore because I have a child and a big boy job, but I got the urge to hop into the studio this past fall and record a couple of chill tunes. This one's called Lost and Found. Keep up the great work and content. Cheers from PEI Canada. Prince Edward Island. Thank you. Jordan C. Now, usually... Now, uh, here's here's where we, we want to critique Jordan C. And by we, I mean me. Let's go over the, how you fucked up this letter, Jordan C. You didn't put any URL in for anybody to go find this music. You didn't put in your full name, so you're just Jordan C. And people can Google lost and found. Now, usually, maybe I'd throw you a bone. I'd go to your SoundCloud page and do it. But you embedded your SoundCloud where I could tell from the get-go I couldn't download the MP3. You, you wanted me to buy it. This is something you kids keep doing. Where you go there and you're like, well, here, here's the MP3. The MP3 link has to be free. Otherwise, what's going to happen now is that I went and I tore down your YouTube video and I'm just going to yank that audio and it won't sound as good. And everybody's going to be like, man, Jordan C has a nut of a good song here. He's been nutting all over this song and I like it. Jordan C's nutting on this song. And I'd like to go get it, but I can't find it on the internet. And I also can't get it for free. So here's Jordan C nutting all over your ears. Until next time. It's been our pleasure to serve you. Hail Colin. She found a country boy hiding out at city clubs. He's got an accent, so everybody knows he don't belong here. He don't belong here. He said, you people act like you left your souls in a box in a closet with your old clothes that you don't wear anymore, you don't wear anymore. She took him dancing in a golf club, got him plenty high and drunk, got him singing all her favorite songs now. He don't know any other words and he don't care. In a postcard I got from a town when I was passing through it I told her that I got a job and I cut my hair If anybody's asking around If there's anybody new in town I'll be dancing over in the lost and found
pretty girl hiding out in country clothes. She's got an accent, so everybody knows she don't belong here. She don't belong here. She said, "You people act like you got all the time in the world. You're never rushing 'round to cut up in the thrill of well, just a little more, just a little more." Took her dancing at the sports club. Got her plenty high and drunk. Got her singing all his favorite songs. Now she don't know any other words, and she don't care. Oh, she said, my husband thinks that I'm in Utah 'cause I sent a postcard I got from a town when I was passing through there. I told him that I'm with my sister, and I wished he was there. Oh. Asking around, well, is anybody new in town? Well, I'll be dancing over in the lost and found. If anybody's asking around, well, is anybody new in town? Well, I'll be dancing over in the lost and found. Over in the lost and found. 